spidey senses tingling. Hot off the heels of last week's disastrous introductions, that's the voice of Slim, the host of the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 80. Merry Christmas, everyone. Papercake.com, uh, the Twitter and the Tumblr are fired up. We talk about new digital print comics, you know? We do a book club together. Alias. Since then, the glitch has been fixed. No, no, no. We fixed the glitch. So just go ahead and let that take care of itself. Uh, we also read your letters to close out the show. Letters at papercake.com. Uh, let's go around the room and introduce, you know, these these hosts that you're graciously interested in. To my immediate right, he's been called a podcast bad boy. VP of design of Paper Keg. He, his hair is just loosey goosey tonight. Uh, Dale underscore A on the Twitter. Uh, you're a celeb. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, happy holidays, everyone. Hope uh, that your holiday season is going wonderful. I know mine is. Recording Paper Keg with you fellas. Doesn't get any better. I love you. Uh, one word can describe this man, uh, our final host for this evening. Unpublished. Uh, Jonesy loves beer on the Twitter. Welcome. Thank you for that stunning introduction. It's good to have you back holding the reins. It feels great. You know, we're, we're a comics podcast. Thanks for being here. We talk about comics, and it's a special occasion this episode. You know, there's a website floating around, comicsology.com. They do digital books. They let you gift comics to your friends, mm-hmm. yeah. to your enemies, or what have you. So, he, you know, a host got a person they had to gift a comic to, and they had to read that book no matter what it was, no matter what flaming piece of hot garbage it is they're gonna read spoilers it. spoilers <laughs> how did you feel about your books Lynn? uh we have not revealed what books we've been given or what books have been gotten we're gonna read them tonight live this morning live wherever you are very nostalgic paper keg as you can see there are three of us on the show. There could have been four. My wife uh, offered to understudy <laughs> to jump in at every <laughs> moment. Days. She wanted to uh, to actually pretend to be the fourth member just with his notes. The Pollyanna has been talked about on the internet like it was 
you know, this is it's like gun control. This is the gun control topic of podcasts. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty hot topic and I'm excited to get into it and not have the Pollyanna that I gifted Red. <laughs> awesome. There is a fourth host, a mysterious fourth host. He's 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 taken ill and we're gonna be praying for him this evening. Mark Farrington, he's black, he's a published writer, he's a TV star, uh he might be dead. The guy's not here to get better press than me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, you know, to open the show, we talk about some Nias, we'll talk, we'll do our Pollyannas, and then we'll do our book club, which is, uh, Brian Bendis's alias. Mm. You know, Luke Cage is in it. Boy, is he ever. Mm. Save for the show. Oh my. Is he in it, folks? But where is he in? Uh, so, uh, Jessica Jones, right? Jessica Jones? Yes. She's that character that's usually holding a baby for the past decade in the Avengers books. <laughs> that's right. Useless, generally. But we'll talk about it. And we'll read your letters. But, uh, Dale, what's what's happening in the world? What what are the people talking about? Uh, well, the little update to the Star Wars um, little slice of comicdom. You know, Star Wars little I heard of franchise it. that was just purchased by Disney. Yeah. Yeah, I've Marvel. heard that property before. Star Wars. Yeah. It's uh it's like Star Trek, right? If if, it's, if uh, I can interject, if Mark were here he would point out that there's not enough black guys in that movie. Or that he's never seen the films. You you both are correct on that. <laughs> uh so word has reached mine ears <laughs> that uh Marvel will be taking Exclusive. over the Star Wars licensing, 2013. 2013, really? After 2013, So, yeah. Brian, so, so what about poor Brian Wood? He's putting all this work into a comic book. What's happening? So, as of uh, right now, you know, that's still, that's probably going to be one of the last Star Wars um, comics to come from Dark Horse oh, before my. Marvel takes it back over. So, you know... By the end of uh, 2013, all those contracts will kind of be written out. And, you know, when they expire, they get reverted. Wow. So they're pro- they're looking at um, Marvel to start uh, cranking out Star Wars comics around 2015. You heard it here the first. The same year. The same year as the Star Wars movie wow. is that, to be released. This is right over the wire. You have not heard this anywhere when this show hits. Nowhere. Nowhere. Dale underscore breaking it down to you. Heard it here first. When does Brian Wood's run start? January? Later? I th- I believe January, yeah, 2013. 12 issues. So we get 12 issues of Brian Wood, uh, Star Wars. That's it. And I can't uh, get a break. No, he can't. I mean, he did have like nine different titles published in 2012. Which is pretty good. Yeah. Good for him. He's and, a good dude. And he's got that uh, ultra high-end like t-shirt club. Did you see, ever see that? No. He, like, just by the what? fact that he only makes, like, 20 t-shirts in a run, he, like, designs these t-shirts, but they're so few that they're so desired. I forget what he calls his little company, Northern Lights, or something goofy He's like a that. big design guy. He's a design guy, yeah. He's. Are you making this up right now, Dale? Because I kind of want a Brian Wood limited run t-shirt. Thank you. you know, his, I got uh, big, so I won't be able to fit in it. Mm. But at least I'll own it. Right, that's a given. Like t-shirts like that only come in like the skinny, skinny large, skinny like medium. The tape, 
the tapered waist comic hipster size, mm-hmm. like extra medium. I'll tell you what, that's in right now. We're in shirt sizes that are too small. I mean, you you start doing that, you're you're in. You're an in person. I uh I do have a bunch of sleep shirts like that though, so <laughs> I'm kind of in. Next up in the world of news this Christmas week, you know, there's not a whole lot going on and I was busy wrapping presents for a lot of that and or ordering presents from Amazon.com. Bob Kirkman. Bobby K. We call him. Roberto. Has a uh, a little bit of a, a digital quote. Here we go. For right. the uh, the Walking Dead readers on Comixology. Love them. Big, big platform digital for digital comics. Heard of them. 25 to 30% of print sales digitally. And that's uh, been doubling like year over year since Walking Dead debuted. And that's not taking a bite out of the print market. Mm. That's pretty good. Yeah, people people were so afraid of digital. You know, take a digging into print print profits. You know, retailers mm-hmm. are, you know, it was the end of the world. They were just closing up shop and just going home right when it started. I think, yeah, I think that they weren't even given a chance. I mean, the coexisting is happening here. It's jiving. If anything... Okay, here's here's what I'm gonna the picture I'm gonna paint. Get it out there of ha- happy little trees. More readers, bigger percentages. You know, so like a thirty percent of um, comic readers three years ago is not as big as thirty percent of the people reading comics now. Partially because of comicsology, mm. right? Mm. So I mean, it's win-win. It's win. It's full of win. Is what it is. It's when it's all around winning. Yeah, there's there's the print versus digital argument. Mark Wade said it best. It's not print versus digital. It's print and digital. We're all comic readers, right? You know, we're not we're not out to put anybody out of business. We're out to get more people to read comics. That's what it comes down to. That's the, that's the point. And uh, I think it's uh, so. I think that's cool for Mr. Kirkman to uh, talk about those facts and figures. I uh, I mean it is pe- it is The Walking Dead, so it's like number it's it's up there. People love Walking Dead digitally. I'll tell you what. When there's a Walking Dead sale, people go bananas. Like absolutely bananas. I know, I caught up. I that, caught up uh, on that sale. That actually reminds me of the um Jim Jim Zub. I heard him. Jimothy Zub. Jim uh, is his real name. <laughs> um he he had a comment about Skull Kickers. I'm trying to... The, the interview's coming back to me. It was on the, that Comic Dorks podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, he he mentioned Skull Kickers specifically. And the thing that I find, uh, it's true, but the, um, it's cool that he brought it up, is a lot of people are just waiting out for sales. Sure. For 99 cent sales. Mm-hmm. Because the, they're so... I mean, a 99 cent sale, I'll just... I don't care what it is. I'll buy... I add all to cart. Right. No matter what. Go ahead, James. No, no, that's uh, what I did with the D&D sale. I actually waited for that big conversation sale, and I just bought the whole run. I mean, that's a, that's a worry. You don't want to get people, like, too expectant of 99-cent sales. Otherwise, everyone will just wait. It's like everyone waiting for the next best iP- Apple device. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a vicious cycle. It is. It's vicious. But, but I can honestly say that I do wait I do wait for 99-cent sales a lot, and... Why don't, of, why don't you like giving back to creators, Dale? Why would you do that to creators? <laughs> why don't you just buy them at full price? Because I know a deal when I see one. Why do you hate Jimothy Zub so much that you would wait until that's After he featured because you I'm, on his blog, Dale. God. Because I'm buying those sweet, sweet hardcovers of his, all right? <laughs> they are sweet. They I'm are sweet. Loika, I'm Pat Loika-ing the, the entire 
library anyway. It doesn't matter. Let's talk. He's about, getting my money times three. Let's talk about how they're all right. So they're rebooting. I don't know what's happening. They're rebooting Skull Kickers with an uncanny Skull Kickers number one. That's amazing. Where it's get, but not only that, they're doing another title called Savage Skull Kickers number one. What what is what is going on? Is it two different titles? Not enough is going on, Slim. I just no. I actually thought it was just like a. Um, Kind of like a goon esque parody. They were just chain. They were just calling it that for one issue. That may not be the case. I mean, if they launch two more titles to Skull Kickers, I'll go buy them. That's. I was very confused by the. Pre- I thought the Uncanny Avengers thing was funny, and then I saw that they're doing another Savage Skull Kickers. I just didn't. I'm buy that I didn't one know too. Happening. I'm buy them all. Call me Jimothy. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I think what we can all walk away from this topic is that digital versus print is propaganda made up by Mark Millar. To get the retailers on the side, and it was never a thing. Alleged. But he is inflammatory, so he started all of it. There are definitely some inflammatory voices out there on the internet, and it's very easy to get roped in to discussions. You know, it takes, very, a, it get, takes a big It's very man. easy to get heard when you're inflammatory. Very you know? easy. Mm-hmm. I know a few and people I get like jealous. That. I know a few people that, that really just try to troll you, you know, into getting yeah. a response. And it's just unfortunate it, that people it's do hard that. To, it's hard to, you know, just be the better man. Uh, I try to walk in Jesus' footsteps every day <laughs> on Twitter. And I know that I, when I tweet and when I don't tweet, is I ask myself what Jesus would do. And then there's only one set of footprints. <laughs> <laughs> uh, breaking news over the wire right now. I didn't tell you about this. Oh, tell me. We're running out of time. We need to move on. <laughs> oh, boy. Into the Pollyanna book chatting segment. You know, we talked about this. We we gifted each other a book, and we had to read it, no matter what. You know, no matter what you said in the past, no matter what mm-hmm. kind of previous opinions you had about a book, you got that email from Comixology. Disclaimer, I work for Comixology. You had to read it. You had to redeem that damn code and put it in your <laughs> library. Slim, I want you to go first so you can follow <laughs> up this vitriolism. My wife is actually going to be listening to this episode because of this gift that you got me. Oh, yeah, it feels good. Wow, what is happening? Let me tell you a little something here. Jonesy, look at him. He's he's like that S he didn't grin on his face. I am King S, S right now. Even, you cannot even slap From it off. From ear to him. ear. Go ahead. Jonesy got me. We, we drew names in a hat or I don't know what we did, but he drew my name and he gifted me. Uh, the book that that I said I would I would I would not be forced to read from this hype machine called the internet. <laughs> oh boy, what is happening? Lock and Key Volume One. <laughs> what? Lock and Key, the great Joe Hill. You know he does the cape. Great book. Love me some Joe Hill. But I. I just lock and key was was uh, was just force fed down my throat everywhere from everybody that read comics, everybody that didn't read comics, and uh, the reverse hype. I I drowned in it. I couldn't take it. You were like you were like a force fed goose, and your liver was getting ready to be cut out in any second. That's what I thought when I, when Jonesy mm-hmm. gifted me this book. I thought I was the goose. And this could you, could you tell everybody what my message to you was? Uh, I actually don't remember. What did you type in the message there? Heh. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You got him there, Jonesy. Uh, yeah, I knew he got me when I read the heh. So, Lock and Key, you know, it's the book. I remember Mary Train explaining it to me about five times, and I and I, I zoned out every time she opened her mouth. 
I know she had to stick in the mop in that mm. bucket when she was Mrs. Beef <laughs> describing it. Mrs. Beef. She is actually for a long time listener. She guest hosted, and her nickname is Mrs. Beef. Uh, Lock and Key is a supernatural story about a family that involves murder, intrigue, blowjays, what? Uh, men becoming women, vice versa, uh, murder, rape, and uh, a key. And a curious past, perhaps? So I read the first volume. Uh, let me see. What did I write down for some notes? It's I read I read the first volume. It reads to me very much like a TV series. I don't know how else to explain it. And I know it's trumped up as a book that they should make this into a TV series. It definitely read like I was reading an adaptation of a TV series. I don't even know how, how to explain it. It just felt like TV-ish. So mm-hmm. the the story opens up with a telling of this father who's like a class, uh, like a school counselor. He gets these two dudes break into his home. His wife answers the door. Um, they are his wife, and then they shoot him in the head while his son, his daughter, and his other son are outside. And the father was painting while this happened. So fast forward, they're leaving that house. They're moving into the old key house. The last house on the left? Is that what? This is actually the second to the last house on the left. So there's there's a history, a supernatural history of this house. And they're trying to, you know, make life anew in this home. And the one of the guys, one of the the father's former students, breaks out of prison and is on the hunt to come back and finish what he started. But he's hearing these voices in his head about the key. Something about this house is very creepy, and he's he's drawn to it. Um, so a lot of it is this family rebuilding from the father being murdered and having really huge social issues adjusting to the death but at the same time the littlest kid is conversing with this voice down a well um that is very also creepy and he can and there's this there's a part of the house where if he walks toward the door he falls unconscious and his spirit leaves his body so he can traverse the astral plane of the area um sounds like lead paint lead lead based paint I, issues. I think actually they're, yeah, the supernatural aspect is actually not real. There's just a lead paint aspect of the house that really effed with everybody. They're actually all on LSD. Right. <laughs> he passes out every time he walks near that wall. There was, um, I mean, the, the I, I'm not sure how I felt about it. I don't, I, it would be very easy for me to say I hated it and it stunk and all that junk because I, you know, I really wanted to. But there were certain scenes where that like there's some unsettling scenes. I don't know why I'm getting unsettled at comics now. Like I got unsettled at that Batman and Robin issue where Joker was walking around with his face upside down. Anybody else read that? Yeah, that no, I did. Yeah, that unsettled me. So this book has a few unsettling scenes. There was one scene where the killer leaves prison and hitchhikes back to the town, and the first time you see him, he's He's giving a blowjay to the driver in order to, like, pay for his trip. And it was just, like, a weird, like, intro back to the character, for me anyway. The wife, Jonesy, the wife in the beginning of the story, I didn't think she survived. I thought the brunette 
when they were moving was another sister or something. Like the way she was acting. And then they, they called her the mother later. I was like, whoa, she's alive. She survived. Yeah, and the, the fact that she did survive and her survivor's guilt definitely plays heavier into the second and third volume. Okay. Um, the parts with the daughter about her adjusting to life being someone who survived this incident was very good, I thought. Um, the art, I thought, was spectacular. I love that Gabriel Rodriguez's art. That guy's a steal, whoever's doing this art. Um, I just felt, I felt it was, I, you know, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Do you I think plan it's a good continuing? I might. I'm not, the, the way it ended where I felt like the family didn't get their revenge on the one killer annoyed me, but I'm not sure, you know, don't allude to anything in the next volumes, but he does, they, they allude to him surviving in a different form. Um, but the way that they weren't enabled to get the revenge on the person that killed physically the father annoyed me. But the the new character that comes out of the well was interesting. I don't know. It it does feel like it's setting up for the long haul. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like you get, reading the first volume, everything is literally like left open. Like you know, like mm. you know, you're reading this first volume, you like assume that there's like ten more volumes coming, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like there's okay, no resolution so- for me. Oh, yeah, that's rough. I think the fifth and I think it's fifth and final volume, or sixth and final volume. Hmm. I'm not sure. It's still, now. A bit, but it, I I will say that it's a good it's a good book to give to somebody. Like my wife loves it. Like she has she's totally caught up, and I can see why. It's very accessible. Um, comic. It's not really like a comic. Like I said, it, f- it felt like a like a like a vi- like a video, like a TV show or something. I don't know how to explain it, but I mean it was good, you know? So are you uh you purposely didn't tell your wife what you thought about it so she would listen to the show? Correct. I love that Nicely idea. Done. Nicely <laughs> done. Thanks for downloading. <laughs> Amanda, I don't care about those boxes. Just let you know. <laughs> she was actually reading while I was reading and she she actually prefers to read in guided view, which is interesting. She doesn't like doing the full pages. Wow, and she's a, a good non thing, all right? co- yeah. She's a non comic reader that got in thanks to The Walking Dead and Lock and Key, and she prefers to read on the the guided view. So it's just, it's interesting. So that's me. Are you, Jonesy? What's your feelings after my Beautiful. review? What were your What are your thoughts? You know, what did you expect me to think? I thought. Well, here's it. Let me ask you a question. Do you like Stephen King novels? Uh, I actually have never read a Stephen King novel. I might have read one of his novellas. Okay, all right. Um, that really doesn't change what I have to say, but I <laughs> just wanted to know for my identification. Just wanted to kill time. <laughs> just trying to run up those numbers, babe. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I thought, much like your other taste, that you hate everything that's popular, hmm. like intentionally, but I thought Joe Hill had the power to bring you on his side with just the storytelling. I mean, even if even if all those goofy characters and and crazy supernatural uh, elements were in there, which might not be your bag, I thought his sheer ability of dialogue and pacing a story would just hook you and get mm-hmm. you in. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm like 65% right about that. <laughs> I think you enjoyed it 65% of the time, and more than half is all I can uh-huh. ask for. Right. And I, I don't know why, but the, 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 the open-endedness is a weird turnoff 
I don't know, maybe turn off isn't the right word, but maybe I'm just more subdued about it. You know, and I, I understand, but when I came upon this book, there were already three volumes. So, like, I read volume one already knowing that if I liked it, I could just tap a button and hit volume two. Mm. I could see as somebody who really only ever didn't know they were going to read it and only was expected to read the first volume, I, I could see how that would be a, a major turnoff. Hmm. Dale, have you ever read Lock and Key? Uh, no, I've never have. It's just never... I've never made the time. I should say spo- spoilers in my review. Some spoilers. <laughs> uh, you know, but anytime that, you know, it sounds like the hills have eyes, this book, mm. but with in civilization. Like anytime somebody's getting hard hard, you know, it's a little, it's a tough pill for me to swallow. Yeah. I mean, it was alluded to in a certain, in a scene, you know, the guy pulling mm-hmm. up his pants, bloody hands on a wall, torn skirt. Mm. You know, maybe something else happened. I don't know. That's all the evidence of an SVU episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's lighten the mood a little bit here. You know, let's let's flip it back. I gifted Jonesy a book. Uh, you, you did. Know, I I had a book in mind for him from the get go. You know, it's, we had we had one. We recorded an episode one fateful night <laughs> where we talked about a book that it set it set friendships asunder. That's right. And it was a book that is called Scalped. It was. So I I gifted Jonesy the first five issues of Scalped because I was an outlier in this review. I said I loved it. And uh and I wanted to hear you know, I wanted to hear a fourth opinion, essentially. So I now, gifted right. it to Jonesy. I, I disavowed myself of this book for many, many episodes because of its uh <laughs> You you prided yourself on the fact that you didn't take part in that discussion. I did. I and for it's was too polarizing. Well, mm-hmm. let me give you a description of the book, and then I'll tell you if I liked it or not. Here we. I already know the answer now. <laughs> <laughs> so, scalped is the story of Dash, um, Bad Horse, who is a Lakota uh, Indian, Native American. Native American, American Indian, whatever you want to call him. It goes back to the res and, uh, you know, beats up a couple of cronies of the chief, Red Crow. And Red Crow is like the chief. He's also the owner of casino. He's also the elected sheriff of the reservation. You know, he's definitely got a gangstered up over there. Uh, and so Bad Horse kind of ingratiates himself with the chief because he kind of is able to toss around all his cronies. And he's actually a full-blood Lakota, which is, uh, I guess, hard to come by on the reservation now as there's been a lot of, you know, interbreeding and there's a lot of half-blood natives. So he comes back home and takes up a basically a crooked deputy's position on the reservation as the, you know, the Native American police. I'm not even sure what that office is called. And uh, he's going to bust some heads for the interests of the chief. And, you know, most of it's corrupt. His mother still lives there. And his mother is like a... Um, a Alcoholic. Well, yeah, that's true. Alcoholic. And she's also, like, rallies against the uh, Bureau of Native American Affairs... And is all for the liberation of the Native Americans and, you know, is against the way that they were treated. Like, a very stoic figure in that regard. And he meets his old flame, which is a, who is now essentially a drug-addled prostitute. 
who is the daughter of the chief. And um, the big spoilers twist of the first uh, issue is that you learn that he is an FBI plant sent to go gather evidence on the chief who is really like a meth kingpin in the area. And the uh, the following four issues are an account of uh, Bad Horse's first couple months there to another FBI agent as they're trying to build a case. And uh, the fifth issue is the present day, what would you call it, climax of the story he's been retelling for four issues in which... Ultimately, and this cow's been out for a long time, so spoilers, uh, ends <laughs> in uh, the death of his mother and him kind of having to decide whether is he really an FBI agent or is he really a you know native Lakota son who's out for the best interest of the tribe. I loved this book. <laughs> I loved it. And it feels, I will continue, I will continue to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and finish it. It was. So, I, I don't know how anyone could hate this book. It's wow. Jason Aaron at his best. It's got all the classic elements. A uh, you know a disgraced hero having to come back and set things straight. Very walking tall. It's uh it, it's great and all the um, and I loved how accurate Jason Aaron was with his depiction of Native American society. It wasn't just a character caricature caricature mm-hmm. of uh, life on the reservation it's it was very thoroughly researched and uh it was great he's half sue by the way it's, yeah yeah I a mean, part turkey it, feels, it feels good to be alive right now hearing john's opinion <laughs> on this book i feel like i just stepped in reindeer poop <laughs> okay <laughs> to hear this i it mean Jonesy, how does great. it feel how does it feel knowing that you just read this book and had these opinions. How do you feel about your your other hosts after reading it? I I don't I don't know how you could not like that. I don't know how you cannot like Scout. I I don't it's so, so so long ago now. I just remember it being so real and so depressing that I got no enjoyment out of the book. Because it was so, it was depicted so accurately. As as far as I know, it's accurate. It could be total. I don't. There might not even be Native Americans. I don't know, (laughs) but it felt so accurate. Like it was just depressing to read. There, I got no enjoyment out of it because there was no enjoyment to be had from it. It was just like a depressing movie. Like it would be an Oscar winner movie, movie if it were a movie. But there was just nothing. Where Daniel Day Lewis plays uh, Bad Horse. <laughs> yeah, it. That's I. That's all I remember um, getting from Scalped is just I got. It just left a bad taste because it was just so real. Like it was just too hard hitting, and like in you know reservations are, they're depressing places. They're I mean. I've read National Geographic articles on it and stuff. It's just like they're not happy places. And this book is just super real. Hmm. And it that's what, like, I, I just couldn't be happy about the depressing you nature. You don't even sound the, happy just reciting your thoughts. Like, it looks like you're getting physically upset just talking about Scout. Because I, I don't even defend myself. <laughs> I, right? I think Mark was, I can't remember what Mark's reasoning was. I think he was, like, offended by the book. Does anyone remember his opinions on it? I remember he didn't like it. 
I yeah, and I do I remember I th- I was like the word like the word red n or sand n or like mm. wasn't the word yeah the n word dropped the red red n was used in the book I think a couple times okay yeah, that might have offended him more than anything else right. but not enough white yeah. people <laughs> I think that was yeah. his problem yeah too many reds uh, but in in summation what a fantastic fantastic volume mm. this should be the next hbo oz type show wouldn't that be phenomenal my god mm. so good yeah, yeah. slim you I knew can't. you you hook line and sinker slim knows me too well and my taste too well jonesy i knew jonesy was gonna like this it too. i knew it isn't my first rodeo Tell you what, oh, I'll tell you that right God. now. It's uh, getting deep in here. We might have to forego lightning round. We're going way over right now. This is a great episode. Can I say that right now while halfway through? I am what, already what feeling it. Like the spirit of the Lakota, it is in me <laughs> that this Get episode here. is so good. The drunk spirit of the real life Lakota <laughs> drinking tribe. I uh, might do a MacBook GarageBand dance around my computer as this as this audio uploads. We need to move on before Jonesy offends every nationality <laughs> on the planet. Uh, you know, Dale, your your host is not here. There's just no point for him to even talk. <laughs> like, I, Mark's not going to hear my thoughts on this book. He's not going to listen back to this episode. Do you want to skip? No you want to skip yourself right now? Is that what you're telling me? If I skip, I'm I'm not going to talk about it next episode. <sighs> Ooh. So I don't know. But you know what? I have to talk about it All because. Right. Because that's the Time right thing Constraints to do. is one of the only books I read. This is, I mean, we might have to forego lightning round and just look. What did Mark gift you? Can you give us a sense of what you're feeling and wh- what happened? I give you qu- real quick drinking game, <laughs> Pollyanna drinking game. Th- na- three out of five words. You name three out of five words. I don't care what it could be a, a name, a title. It's Mark. Mark gifted me a book. Okay, right. justice. Okay. So. It's bingo. This is Pollyanna bingo. Justice? No. Jeff Johns? Yes. Society? Drink. He said no to, to justice. So it could be some other kind of society. America? <laughs> no. <laughs> the Flash? <laughs> You're out. You're out, right. Jonesy. <laughs> I know. Like <laughs> It's bingo. Society. You can't go out. The other person's got to win. The Society of America of... <laughs> of Jeff Johns. Yeah, is it a uh, Wally West? Uh, is Wally West in the story? Wally West is brought up. Oh, there we go. This is Flash. I get it. The, I guessed it. The Flash issue one ninety seven. Mm, wow. What? What this, is? What's happening? This is the origin of Zoom. Flash's villain, Zoom. Um. This uh, this is a standalone issue. By Jeff Johns, and it is about Hunter Zolomon, who um, had a rough life. He uh, he was never particularly uh, connected with his parents. He didn't have a bad relationship with them. He didn't really have a relationship with them. His father was very uh, overbearing and nasty and uh, eventually his father killed his mother but he never really had any feelings towards either one of them like he didn't really know them as people and 
at that point, he became obsessed with like learning why people do the things they do and the crimes they commit, like getting inside their head. So he becomes like a profiler for, uh, he starts going to school for a profiler. He meets a girl, falls in love with a girl whose father is a, a professor and also a profiler for like super villains and and he specializes in, in the supervillains, the upper elite, upper echelon, super powerful supervillains. And um, Hunter Zolomon and the father are working on a case together. And Hunter basically convinces um, the his, fa- his future father-in-law, his father-in-law to be, that the case they're working on is about the clown is a killer mm. clown named the clown and he uh he has been killing people and he's holed up in a house hunter convinces the father let's just go alone he's not going to have a gun i've profiled this guy he does this clown doesn't want to grow up he's killing people with like all the tropey clown like poison cream pies and you know deadly seltzer and stuff like that so he's not going to have a gun Cue to uh, father-in-law busting into the house. The clown shoots him dead <laughs> with a gun. Jeez. Was it a gun so, with that little flag popped out? <laughs> this is the only time they did. There wasn't a clown-related gun. It was just a gun. And he's busted up over it. His wife, or no, his girlfriend, wife-to-be, is busted up. I think she's, she either survives or... She doesn't survive. Either way, she cuts up like she's not doesn't want anything to do with them anymore. Then Grod, oh god, the the Grod breaks his back. Spoiler, can't walk anymore. He asks his friend Wally West to die. <laughs> All in our jump <laughs> to jump on his cosmic treadmill. Oh, good lord. To reverse time to take uh, all the bad things back. Hmm. He's He pleads with Wally West to take it back. Wally West won't do it because that's just taking too, too, it's too serious of an issue. You, you don't mess, basically you don't mess with the cosmic treadmill, no matter what. I wouldn't. So a legless. I don't mess with a regular treadmill, let alone a cosmic treadmill. So a legless. Non-workable legs, Hunter Zolomon hmm. breaks into the Flash Museum. A man in a wheelchair breaks into a museum. Is this a real issue, or did sounds Mark like, just write this down on a legal pad? It sounds like and, the lamest ship crime. It to your house. The lamest crime. Yes, it is. He what? He wheels into the museum after dark. <laughs> activates the cosmic treadmill. My God! What a sentence. I don't know how he pulled himself. I guess he's got the upper body strength to pull himself up on the treadmill. You got to have legs to work a treadmill, all right? You got to have legs to jump over the laser beams that are protecting the Flash Museum. <laughs> this is the most absurd segment we've ever done. And I think I'm more angry because Mark's not here. <laughs> and uh, so the Cosmic Treadmill blows up, the Flash Museum blows up. Nothing. He he assumes nothing works until he wakes up in the hospital bed and he starts to notice that he is burning. His skin is burning up. He's feeling real hot. He gets up. His his legs are working. He pops out of bed 
and he's normal he's moving at normal speed but he when he walks out into the other room he notices that the clock isn't changing and everybody is frozen so basically it it was it's actually really cool the way it's it's uh written down, like it's illustrated he's basically moving so fast but to him it's it's not fast at all he's just moving but everything around him is just at a standstill because he's just moving so fast so he figures well Wally West didn't do a fa- the favor for him because he's never had tragedy in his life if Wally West were to have a tragedy of the magnitude that Hunter Zolomon went through Wally West would have gladly activated he would have jumped on there with his legs activated the cosmic treadmill and and went uh went to town reversing time so he he is now he's setting out to make Wally West pay he's going to bring tragedy to Wally West's life to kind of balance out the force balance out nature balance out what what uh, is needed to be done for Wally West to feel tragedy tragedy in his life I want to get I want gen- or um I want to get your vibe. Mark's not here. You can't get Mark's. I want to get Dale underscore A's vibe on this book. Did you like it? Yes or no? Let's hear it. Live sixty five percent. I'm I sixty five percent liked it. Sixty five percent liked it. He he's got, he he breaks into the museum in a wheelchair. Mm. Who does? I can't even. I wouldn't even be able to get into my car in a wheelchair. This is a DCU flat out. Crippled man breaks into a flash museum to get on a cosmic treadmill. That's DC Universe, <laughs> is what I'm hearing. That is. And people love it to death. Mark loves it. A lot of people love it. Love it. He loves it. And uh, Mark's going to ask me my opinion of it next show he's ever on. And I'm just going to say he's going to have to listen to this episode, which he won't do. What uh, what book did you gift him? What's the, What does it matter? I mean, <laughs> it's not the same thing. Jonesy, we're running out of time. We're hey. we're skipping lightning round what? on this holiday show. No, you have a list. Holy crap. You had a list that you were going to hold against me of the lightning round books. You can't take away the segment without knowing if I beat your list or not. Two sentences or less. What did Jonesy read this week? You go first, not lightning round. I actually just said your name. <laughs> Archer and Armstrong, issue one. Some pretty inflammatory things said about the ancient brotherhood of Freemasonry. Only I know if they're right or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Rebuttal. Oh. Uh, let's see. What did I read? Um, Uncanny Avengers Final Issue. Rick Remendo and Phil Nodo. A Avengers? Did I say I, I, Avengers or X Force? You said Avengers. I'm gonna edit this in post. X Force. <laughs> <laughs> A fitting emotional end to what is largely on the whole. Parentheses. Not counting the skinless man arc, in parenthesis, one of the greatest X-Men runs since Chris Claremont. And lightning round. Rebuttal. 
Avengers Arena. Numbers one and two. Coming off of my new love of Avengers Academy, Dennis Hopeless did what one man had to to hook me into reading this book more. That was two. I don't that know was, what that was. One and a half. We had a book club. Right now, we're going to get into it. Jonesy. Yes. Are you in a book club? Are you in a book club? We are. Okay. Jonesy, your boy, Bendy. This is, Bendy. This is his friends call him Convention mm-hmm. Retired. He did this book for an imprint called Marvel Max. You know, this was this is where you get to see the F words in the comics and the and Marvel the books. And the F-ing, as the case may be. We'll get to it. We'll get to it in a hot minute. The physical, painful effing that we wrought, we read in a in a in a page. Jessica Jones is mm-hmm. the main character. Uh, this is this was during I guess when he was writing Daredevil when he started to write Daredevil back Correct. in the day. Correct. With Maleev, Alex Maleev. What's he up to these days? Heavens. What's this book about? Jonesy loves beer. Alias is the <laughs> crime drama. Centered around the ex-Avenger, Jessica Jones, also known as Jewel, that was her superhero name, hmm. who has since retired her tights and, and basically told the world that life wasn't for me. I'm settled down to be a private eye. I'm going to take some cases. I'm going to take the easy route, the path of least resistance. Now I got these superpowers, and I'm going to let them aid me you know, in my investigations. Mm. Very low key. She's been doing it for quite some time. She gets hired to um, find the sister of uh, a young lady. Her sister, she hasn't heard from her sister in weeks, and she needs Jessica Jones's help to find her. Uh, Jessica very quickly discovers where the woman is, uh, goes to snap a few photos, and uh, shockingly, discovers that the young lady in question is banging Steve Rogers Steve and she's got Rogers. the she's got the tape she's got the video the cassette tape I mean she doesn't mm-hmm. have the cassette tape of the banging no no just of Steve Rogers tearing open his sh- his shirt to reveal the star and his uniform underneath like he's did definitely re- got the whole Did you reread this this week? I did. That is not that is not what happened with Captain America. Yeah, it totally is. He he's on, on the he rooftop. Puts, he puts on his mask. He's like on the roof and he's putting the mask on. Yeah, but he also opened up his shirt, bro. Hmm. This isn't Superman. This is not in a phone. All book. right. So anyway, regardless, regardless, moving on. <laughs> We're running out of tape here. Uh, Jessica gets embroiled in uh, what she later finds out to be a political scandal of a presidential candidate who is trying very hard to discredit the current president. By going after his allies, in this case Captain America, who's very close to the current uh, sitting president, and uh, eventually Jessica, in a very brazen move, is able to destroy the evidence of Steve's identity and make a few friends in the Avengers and kind of set herself up uh, for the next arc of kind kind of being back in good graces with uh, Carol Danvers. Uh, one of the B, what I thought more interesting was the B plot of uh, these first five issues, which was 
Jessica's kind of love life slash, you know, woe is me. You know, I'm I'm a B-lister uh, attitude or the way which she moves through the world. Most uh, most notably is her extramarital affair with uh, Power Man or Luke Cage, and uh, you know she uh, she basically uh, you know is a homewrecker. And uh, so you know when they la- they get on later in comics during Bendy's Infinite Avengers run, you know that uh, she wrecked a home to have that kid. <laughs> And we found the origins of that in the first five issues here of Alias. Was he married? I thought it was. I didn't think it was a marriage thing. I just thought it was. I, yeah, I just thought it was. He had sex with a lot of women. I just thought it was. Yeah, he oh, was like I, I, I I read it as, hey, you can't come around here, because this is my home where my lady is, mm. and I am obviously dating. I'm obviously at least exclusive with her. So we so can't be having. The, let's uh, talk about. You know. Let's get it all out. Let's get the uh, the the elephant out of the out of the room here. Let's, let's do. Let's it. just talk about the page where they're having the intercourse. Yeah, alleged intercoursing. Where do you th- what do you think is happening? Did I read this correctly? That it was it was in the hoo hoo. <laughs> that <laughs> that's I don't the <laughs> impression that I got it, because first of all the look on her face. And second of all, the line, he's going to remember this as the night I let him do whatever he wanted. <laughs> Slim can't even talk right now. we, we got to edit out this gap. <laughs> Sorry, just the idea. I'm just listening to Jonesy describe an anal sex scene. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It's a Christmas miracle. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. Angel just it, got his wings. It's a holly jolly Christmas, everybody. <laughs> So, so the scene, like, it's weird. I had a weird reaction. It fit. <laughs> oh, my word. Jonesy's face, is, he's just, like, disgusted with this whole topic. All right, here we go. So, now the scene, like, I wouldn't, I, I was kind of stunned that it happened. I, I get it. It was a Max book. And, I, well, I don't know. I asked him up two worlds that it's a Max book. And they needed some kind of like wow scene, but the other side of it, it was a wow scene. Like, okay, so she she hangs out with Luke Cage. She's like down her luck at this bar, and she says to him, <laughs> "Dale's holding up the comic book to the mic or to the screen." So she's down her luck. She's like, "I want to feel. I just wanted to feel something. I wanted to feel anything different." So Luke Cage offers to take her home, and there's a full, there's a full page scene of her just in pain with her head down. But there, like, aside from that, there was a great inner, inner monologue of her saying, you know, why she would allow this to happen, where she wanted to feel anything, pain, anger, remorse, right. whatever. Now, so I, do they ever allude to when they? conceived child Jonesy later in the Avengers books? I have no clue. Okay. I wasn't sure. Like, the question was, maybe this was the night they conceived and it wasn't in I, the... I don't know if that's physically Ooh-ah. possible. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it wasn't in that area. <laughs> right. But I just felt like maybe. it was such a a max scene. Like, it was, like, yeah. amazingly max, essentially, for a Marvel book. As this, yeah, it feels like this was something like... that was talked about in a wizard, you know, for a month. 
that was to the max. Like, yeah. Uh, Dale, your feelings during the scene in question? I mean, the 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 look on her face, like he's got to have a mandingo. <laughs> he, there's no possible way. Like he's Luke Cage. He is. I mean, he's Power Man. Mm-hmm. He was he was uh, powering through. I mean, judging by her face, he pa- he powered through all right. Probably all the way into her stomach. <laughs> Good lord! All right. So, aside from the sex scene, no. Uh, listen, listen to me when I tell you this. You got to read this book. I loved this book, Marvel Max. Uh, like gritty adult material, like adult language mm-hmm. in a book with Ms. Marvel and Captain America. Like I had no idea that Captain America was going to be in this book. And I mean he's not like featured, he's not fighting crime in it, but he's in it. He has conversations with Jessica Jones, Ms. Marvel's in it. I and and the way Bendis, I mean, the way Bendis writes dialogue between two people is just supreme. Like you can't this is why I fell in love with him to begin with. Like the way he's able to just write a natural sounding conversation. Like would people like reiterate the same word twice in a row or or like with commas and dashes and it's it's just masterful. And I loved this concept of um of this woman who used to be in the Avengers and now she's a private eye. I just love this universe where it's set in the Marvel universe, but there's cursing in it. And I can absolutely tell why Bendis brought Jessica and Luke. Like he probably loves these characters Mm -hmm. at this. Like that's why he brought them back into the, the main Marvel U. And I don't know. I just thought it was really great. Yeah. I loved it. I loved the character. I was drawn to the Jessica Jones character. I thought she was, she was great. You know, she was down on her luck, but she was, she reminded me of, uh, like, the Stumptown lead character a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, f- I f- got the same vibe. It's, like, just Stumptown in the Marvel U, mm-hmm. which is perfect. The um, I mean, everything about the character I loved, the, the interesting aspect was how the president, the, these, you know, the sit-in president or whatever you want to call him, I, I'm guessing was George W. Bush, or was drawn to look like George W. Bush. Yeah, and it was interesting to read, looking back on that era, where you know largely perceived as a negative presidency, but this was like two, this was two thousand one or two thousand two because I, I'm almost positive, but I guess this was so early in his presidency where the negativity didn't get uh, you know brought to light because they were aligning Captain America and all the Avengers on the side of the president. Which mm-hmm. was George W. Bush, and I and I'm looking back at that era, it was a really odd thing to see. Yeah, the because yeah, the way the president was talked about in this book, it was just like the 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 future Democratic candidate was was his angle was the president backs these superheroes and he's constantly with them and showering praise on them. Yeah, it, it was a little jarring. I think it was like June or July of two thousand and one. Mm. So it was it was very early on, I believe. It, it it was just weird that in that he was only featured in that capacity. Hmm. That he was like BFFs with these superheroes. Jonesy, you're staying mum. <laughs> no, I'm just still getting over that uh that scene. Uh, I thought 
the way that Bendy handled the Marvel U as a whole in this book was very, very much way, very much like the way a normal person would have to rectify the events going on in their world. Almost kind of like uh, Marvels, but like dumbed down to a, like a, a regular Joe's level. Like for instance, there's a couple of throwaway lines where uh, Jessica was like, oh yeah, I hung out with the Avengers and, uh, you know, I can't remember if it's in this volume or one of the issues right after where they talk about the Kree and Skrull War and he's, she's like, yeah, I, I guess that stuff happened. Like, when we read, like, Secret War, we take everything that happened there as it has to be common knowledge in the Marvel Universe and I think for a second we get to see the curtain pulled back in Alias and we get to realize that the whole world doesn't know what these superheroes do. They're they're very mythical figures to everybody and mm-hmm. any nobody really kind of buys into most of it. Like they know that Cap exists, but you know, they don't they don't necessarily believe all the fantastical elements that go on that we as readers just take for granted that must be, you know, known to everyone and everybody's household lives. And I thought that was a really new thing that it showed me. And I didn't yeah. read this book. Um, I didn't read the book on the initial run. This is the first time I ever picked it up. Although I do think I bought I was such a Bendy fan. I do think I bought the single issues and just never cracked them. They're in a long box somewhere. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I wish you know, I can't say that I wish that I had read them then because I'm so glad for this new perspective that I got now as kind of somebody who's been reading a long time and kind of disenfranchised with certain parts of uh, the Marvel and DCU to go back and get this fresh view, like the people's view of a grand yeah. universe is really refreshing. And it, 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 I, that, I, that, that that I took away from it was the most enjoyable part, if that makes sense. I like it. It, it felt like you're right, the... Captain America is was so basically inaccessible in this book. Like any Marvel hero was. Uh, Reed Richards, well, that was in the, uh, I think, a couple issues right after that I read. But it, it's, it is. It's like very street level. I mean, who's going to just call? You can't call Captain America on the phone. You can't knock on the Avengers manager's door and expect him to be there and field your questions. Cause exactly. Because he will be up as A all day long. I feel like this whole run is the scenes that we just take for granted that are there that we never see. Like, we always come into a book where Tony Stark is already at Reed Richards' house, like, talking about what they're going to do about, you know, the Phoenix Five. And we don't know that, you know, like Daredevil's been trying to get through the door for like two <laughs> years, but can't get an appointment. Yeah. Like, I, uh, I loved it. I, it was so charming. Who was, what was the character that she referenced with Danvers? The Quizmeister, Quizmaster, I guess, who turned out to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent? The, he did the bug at the end? Oh, uh, yeah. What was his name? Quiz- I don't remember. Task- Quizzy Eister? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Quizzy Eister. That sounds like he, a, he was a referenced name. between Carol and her. And as reading this decades later, I had no idea what they were referencing. And then at the end, she was bugged by someone at the crime scene, and it was in reference to her turning down a shield job. And I had no idea what was happening. I don't know. If, I don't even know how you like fix that. 
Like, how do you reference? I mean, they didn't even do like the right. as as seen in issues so and so. So I mean, that took me out a little bit, but that was about it. The I I felt a little weird um, with her original dialogue with Carol Danvers as well. Like, you could tell there was like issue there. She didn't really have time for Jessica, but then Captain America's like, call her. There, your she's your friend or something. I was yeah. like, well, we just saw that she wasn't really friendly towards her but there was a weird um, weird dialogue from cap in that scene where he says that's the stuff i thought that was a weird line you know no i i actually was really dialed into that because it was so jarring that it it really shows from a second person point of view how he how much he does not belong in this time period Hmm. because everybody everybody else uses profanity Everybody else kind of uses slang that even now in 2012 we would be able to fit into conversation. But the secondhand view, talking to Cap, Cap is not a central character. Basically, we see the conversation from Jessica's point of view. And Cap just feels so out of place speaking that I think that's kind of like a undertone of his man out of timeness that we are just, like I said before, seeing a new angle of from this perspective. I thought it was great. And I and I hmm. uh, I did a little, you know, I see what you did there as I was reading the book. I was a, uh, you know, Bendy is just so I great back then. Oh, I wish I could go back in time. His it still his, is. His Scarlet stuff remind like this reminded me of Scarlet a little bit. Which I guess is, I think the final issue is coming out soon. Remember yeah, I think you're right. Remember that? I remember. I think we were doing either this paper keg or the other show before when that came out, I think it was uh, the old show. Great book. I mean, I, 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 I like that. I was so pleasantly surprised because, like Sandman, I didn't know Sandman was kind of in the DCU. I didn't know Alias was in the Marvel U. Like I knew I was aware of the Marvel Max line, but for me, that could have been like Icon. I didn't know it was set in the Marvel Universe. And I like what they did. I mean, they they gave him the freedom to, uh, you know, for Jessica and friends to drop F-bombs and, and, and to speak and to make adult-oriented material that, you know, it was, that was readable. It wasn't, like, over the top just for the sake of being over the top. It was just, like, that's, like, that's Bendis. He can just write dialogue supremely I could read F-bombs all day in the Marvel Universe we got your letters I'm gonna open them up Farrington's gonna read them to you Merry Christmas Farrington wherever you are nowhere else <laughs> the vomiting letters segment we read your letters you email letters at papercake.com uh, hopefully you keep it short, and we'll read it. You know, we'll read your name on the air, bruh. Live. Uh, this first letter comes in from Alan Boone of the Ancillary Characters podcast. Oh they uh, just recently recorded their Christmas episode, so seek those guys out over there. Um, Ancillary Tweets is their Twitter handle. And... Go ahead and do that because they are giving out free comics like hotcakes. They are. Get on Hot that. Hotcakes. 
Hey guys, glad to have you all back. This letter concerns the difficulties of picking up a new series and giving up an existing one. Hearing you discuss how much you spend on comics each month in a recent episode gave me pause. I decided to do my own math, though I had a rough, rough estimate already, and the result was shocking. The cost of monthly comics, not including trades and comicsology purchases, which are also sizable at times, is easily my second largest bill each month. I really need to drop books. Unfortunately, dropping a book is difficult for me. I become attached. Even if it isn't very good, I feel compelled to stick with the series in case the quality improves. The handful of times that I've regretted dropping a book are negligible, but what if, you know? Similarly, I do not like to start pulling a new series if I cannot start at number one. It's easier both to drop and to jump on when the creative team changes or a clear new story arc begins, but even then it's troublesome. My question then is, do you guys have similar difficulties or do I suffer alone? Is it hard to drop a book when you've been pulling for months or to pick up a book at issue N where N is an in integer of awkward size? Thank you guys for putting out quality content every week. Keep up the good work. Uh, I'd, I would happily feel that first question because I suffer the same. There are books that I currently pull and the fact that I may drop it with and possibly sacrifice like for some okay here's the thing I have like a boner <laughs> for having like a complete run of something you got to clip that it's out some, as a sound bite. I've I've, ne <laughs> I've never done it before up until you know the past maybe year or so when I've genuinely jumped on some number ones like Daredevil Saga you know, some of the New 52 stuff, like Green Lantern, for instance, is a perfect example of uh, Alan's letter. I have, like, a uh, couple years ago, I, like, bid on a silent auction of, like, a long box full of Green Lantern books. And it was an S-ton of Green Lantern comics. A lot of, some complete runs in there, that, like, with only a few issues missing in between. So now, since the New 52, I've been collecting Green Lantern. I honestly haven't read probably the past six issues. But I can't, I physically can't stop buying the book because I have so many already. And I may, I need to be like proud of the fact that I have more Green Lantern books. Like, I don't know. I, I completely know what you're talking about. I can't do it either. I was just looking at my list the other day in hopes of dropping some things for some new Marvel Now books, but I can't. I can't do it. It's hard. Jonesy, if you're awake, I want to hear your comments. <laughs> uh, you can't go by me, uh, Alan Boone, because I will drop and pick up willy-nilly. And uh, I think yeah, he's crazy. I think I wandered in the return of Bruce Wayne, like, issue six, and had no idea what was going on, and immediately dropped it right after, like... I don't know. I prefer to, to buy most of my books in volumes, uh, especially digital volumes, and read like five issues at a clip. I mean, no shock and get ready to take a drink, but like titles like Invincible, where I'm, I'm engaged or what happens, uh, I'll buy I'll buy monthly. And Exo Man of War, I've been into lately, and I'm getting I've been waiting for that issue to issue, but um, yeah, Amazing Spider Man, I guess, is one that I never miss. Uh, but when it comes to a gross amount of titles, if the money ain't there, I, you know, oh well, I missed it. 
I've never been the type of guy that if someone says, oh, man, right, right after you left the bar last night, you know, a bunch of crazy people came in. It was the wildest time of the night, and then I, ne- I was never like, oh, darn, I missed it. It was a good issue. Maybe I'll go back and buy it as a back issue. It doesn't bother me. Mm. I drop books like it's hot. Maybe they, these guys don't suffer the way we suffer, Alan. Because I, I just, you know, we talk about it all the time, my comic moods. Just not in the mood to read something, forget about it. Guy hated I, Atomic Robo for S sake. Like the third time I read it. Wasn't in the mood, it's that's true. all. The I, I have no, mood. I have Nowhere Men downloaded. You know, I loved issue one. I had Great Pacific downloaded. It took me a few weeks to want to read number two. You know, I have mm-hmm. an Avengers Arena. I loved it in issue number one. Not ready not ready to read number two yet. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I'm dying internally in my soul. Marvel Now is killing me, too, by the way. You're going to be on the poorhouse in a month's time. Unless you start selling those hardcovers or, you know, build an edition out of hardcovers. Oh, man, I have... Oh, I, we could talk about the, this in the fireside, but this is another issue I've been thinking about recently. Move on. <laughs> Thanks for the letter, Alan. This next letter comes to us from at Chris M. Thinks. Salutations, keggers. I've just caught up on Pack and Segovia's, well, mostly Segovia's, Extreme X-Men, and I'm loving it. Great plot focusing on killing ten evil alternate dimension Xavier's combined with lots fun alternate versions of some of our favorite X-Heroes. So, all this multi-dimensional goodness has got me wondering, guys, if you could read an ongoing series... But any alternate version of a character, whom would it be? Why and what would you want to see? It's like the man says, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. <laughs> At Chris M. Thinks, sent from his iPhone. Chris M. Thinks. You know what alternate reality character I want to, I want to bring back? Wolverine. Maybe bring back the old foil covers that Patch. are in my long box someday. Spider-Man 2099. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Miguel. Let's talk about him. Mm-mm-mm. Gen Z, you're huh. yawning a whole no, lot. Are I we know. keeping you up for this hit no, podcast? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You're 33% of the show this week, Jonesy. We need you. I know. I, Mark bailed. What was his uh, Christmas book? We'll never know. All right. All right, so alternate, alternate reality alternate book. Reality. Ugh. See, I, my go-to answer would almost always be Batman Beyond, but then they went ahead and brought him into DCU proper. So I, I gotta get, I gotta think of something else. Dale, you, you, you go, Dale. Oh my God, I don't know. I, I, I honestly do not know. Hellboy. Goon. Mouse guard. Leaf boat. Oh, they have, <laughs> oh, have leaves of boats, and they ride ducks. <laughs> I don't know. Alternate version. Man, you know, no it was idea. really good. And uh, get ready to drink again because I am just riding the roller coaster. Was the planetary Batman crossover where they did the multiple versions of the Dark Knight and mm-hmm. Gotham was splintered interdimensionally? I remember that. I could uh, I could go for another helping of that, I think, if I had answered this question with a question. A heaping helping? A heaping helping. Do we get any other letters? Mm. 
Oh, boy. Paper Cake Bros. I've recently recovered from a severe bout of cover racism. <laughs> you see, for the longest while, I refused to read the new Ultimate Spider-Man <laughs> due to the horrific covers by Carr Andrews. Something about them just gave me the creeps. Half CGI, half child molester. Oh, my. Oh, oh my word. Anyway, I've, got, I've come to get over and enjoy Ultimate Spidey and his delightful interiors by Pacelli. I'm curious, has this ever happened to y'all before? Love you like the stepfathers I never had, Andrew. Yeah, Andrew, uh, just look up any conversation we had about uh, uh, Sandman for the last, uh, I don't know, 75 or so episodes. Sandman's definitely one where the cover's big turnoff. Tell you what, Carrie Andrews, you guy's a legend in the cover biz. He is. You see, have you not seen those Ultimates covers, Andrew? You know, the new Ultimate Comics Ultimates? Get out of here. This guy, doing, he's very vitriolic, <laughs> Andrew. He's a cover racist. He is. is what he he's, is. A, he's a big cover racist. Okay, I got the next one here, boyos. Also, from Chris M. Thinks. Shalom, keggers. I swear I'm not going to email every every new issue of Hick Pena's Avengers. But did Pena. you catch the double date? Real talk. The thought of a Tony Steve double date ongoing is too amazing. There's your show, guys. 22 pages each month, munch of Tony and Steve navigating the sea of love. Oh, the hijinks and adventures they'd have while out on the town with the lasses. Or even a lucky lad. Whoa. Inflammatory. That was my own commentary. That wasn't in the letter. Think it's got a shot? What would your favorite storyline be? Jonesy, maybe we can co-pitch it to Troy and Abed in the morning. Keep calm. I'm with the doctor. Chris M. Thinks. I think that was a Jonesy's Doctor Who like, reference. He's auditioning for audiobook. I'm reading it like a script. Right now? I love it. I could do this every week. You know, Mark won't be back anyway, so let's just change the sounder. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let's do it now. <laughs> Thanks for spoiling issue two of Hick Pena's Avengers. <laughs> no, that wasn't spoiler. I'm just, I'm just kidding. You know who will love any kind of Tony Steve romp? Manny Boo. Mm. She'd be all over it. Yeah, she'd go crazy. I don't know if she's read the new Uncanny Avengers yet. She, she probably tweet about it about how they're hanging out, shooting the ass about the future. Uh, we got one more letter, and it's a doozy. Mm-hmm. And you know how I can live edit. I do know. Pa- letters. So most of you guys are probably just going to delete the podcast me mid-reading this email. <laughs> and I, pre- I give you permission. But I will attempt to read this. Ola Paper Keg, just finished listening to your most recent ep, number 79, I happen to be one of your loyal listeners from the Nerdcast days who has the big C. That's right, cancer. Late-stage, unusual type of non-curable lymphoma. Regarding Jonesy's unintelligible cancer hand intro and everyone's hearty laughs all around, I felt compelled to email for the first time to tell all of you that I can't believe the nerve. Nah, love it. Just kidding. Keep it coming. Not sure quite what his cancer scare was about. It wasn't really explained, but still most everything Jonesy says gets a good laugh, whether he intends it or not. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> There's no bigger fan of off-color humor than myself. I make it a point to make uncomfortable, tactless jokes regarding cancer, cancer victims, and death 
in most public situations. Much of my close friends' delight. Uh, see where I go. So I'm spinning out, <laughs> spinning out of control. Uh, it's become one of my favorite pastimes besides fighting cancer. That is, love the show. Glad to see you're back on to a regular schedule. Now that most of my closest comic friends have migrated to various parts of the country and started breeding, no offense to you procreating fellas, sorry Farrington, perhaps a bit jaded of my own cancer radiation related infertility. It's amazing to have a bunch of guys who I could, probably could have grown up with bull essing about comic books I read every week. And no sympathy or con- condolence bullcrap needed. I'm 33, diagnosed two and a half years ago, 78 weeks of chemo, eight surgeries and some upcoming bone marrow procedures this year and things are actually going pretty well not great odds at survival beyond two to five years but with everything in perspective and all the stuff that's going on and persistent treatment i've got a ton of great friends amazing sister and awesome niece and nephew uh he drops in a poopy diaper (laughs) thing about his nephew and when i feel healthy in between cycles i'm doing great running hiking Riding to make up for all the time lost. Again, love you guys. Was looking for Slim at Baltimore Comic Con, but the booth was deserted. Nice one, Slim. <laughs> guys got cancer. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Had I known, I wouldn't have gone for that $8 hot dog. You see, the email started out with me being the bad guy, but we all know who the real villain is. Cancer. Can't be around to meet your fans. Cancer is the real <laughs> villain here, the, Jonesy. Cancer is the real villain. I think it we all know it's you. Uh, 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 so he just, I'm, he just called something effing bananas. I think it's uh, something Sandman related. I agree, it is effing bananas, and the spinoffs I look forward to reading eventually. He probably called um, uh, Jonesy's opinion on scalped bananas. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw the love of scalped coming except for you except for you down the long hallway of love of scalp love (laughs) i think effing bananas is one of the characters names in scalp i think so yeah there is a great line in scalped when uh the one of the native american cops's name falls down (laughs) and uh bad horse is like is that really your name and he's like uh just for the record not all we all don't get badass animal names oh yeah pretty great (laughs) what a great book uh, what about some comic superhero related pros for a special episode soon i will be invincible the dc crisis related novels this year's once a crowded sky cavalier and clay there's a bunch of good stuff there uh, uh i actually love that idea of doing a pros book for the book club yeah maybe nightfall that always got really what's, great um, uh, reviews i'm not trolling what's prose yeah like yeah. uh writing like a novel prose something that's all words oh. and pictures P-R-O-S-E. Oh, like, yeah. okay. I can, I, Not I, prose like I read a hooker, was, prose like, you know, written language. I did read Weapon X, the prose novel. What? It was good. It was good. That is a thing? Yeah, Mark Cesarini, I think, wrote it. I have oh it. God. I have the book. <laughs> it's good. No, no, that's just the sound of his boner popping tail. He's not upset. <laughs> Just Luke caged my monitor. It's like 3D over here. <laughs> oh, what uh, a letter. What a letter. Oh, and I'd also be crazy into a kids-related app. I'm sure you dudes with little guys uh, have ne- and us with nieces and nephews have some great picks. That's a cute idea. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And keep up the long streak in the win columns. <laughs> Has there been any lo- really been any losers in there? Well, other than the statement column. 
show from last, uh, last episode that. was Dale was really sour on that episode afterward. He really let it loose when we we had the post mortem afterward. Yeah. Sometimes we we need to record the fireside fireside one time <laughs> and post it when we all tell our real thoughts about the show. The problem with the statement column is it's just a regular column. You can't break out of it. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't break out of it. Uh here's a here's a quick plug. Uh love the show. The flap is pretty funny also. Maybe some longer ones question mark. Hmm. Uh, that's true. The Flap is a, as a show Slim and I do occasionally. Yeah, whenever we I'm going to nominate The Flap for uh, a daytime yeah. Emmy for the episode Dale gets a vasectomy. <laughs> I talk about my vasectomy in 50% of the episodes. That was uh, <laughs> it's a personal highlight for me. I'll tell you, <laughs> Dale, I just mention your story at work and I get wall-to-wall laughs. Just the, oh, I, nice. I tell him about cool. the spearmint uh, lidocaine that you had to slather <laughs> all over yourself. <laughs> It smelled like spearmint and sweat that day. Uh, who was that letter from, by the way? Oh, uh, check. Oh, yeah, he's got his website on there. If you want to check out some of his work, Eric Lee Klingman. That's Eric Lee K L I N G M A N dot com. Um, check out. He's got some artwork up in there, some painting type stuff on his website. I checked it out. It's it's pretty nice. Uh, Eric. Thank you for uh, writing in, and thank you for having a sense of humor when it could have been interpreted very differently. And uh, keep up the good fight, man. We love you for listening, and uh, stay strong. Yeah, that that was but no, one of the best. No condolences, no sympathy. Yeah. Met- Sorry if I hacked up your letter so bad. Imagine, that- imagine if he was a little person. How torn would you be at that point? The guy he was a little person, and he had cancer. Dale you, probably would have just, have just deleted the letter and so we didn't get any more letters after that. I'd probably try to accuse him of trying to break into the Flash Museum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to just loop out that review and description of that Flash book. It's his own <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, what a show. Jonesy, what, what column is this going in? Guys, I don't know if you could hear the energy and smile in my voice, but... This episode has skipped over three columns length and oh, long man, jumped into the sandbox of its own joyous category, the Super Sandbox Win Column. It's amazing. This episode was great. Merry Christmas. Super long jump. This is the longest show we've done in a long time. And an it's and phenomenal. <laughs> and it's every GD minute is gold. Last time Gen Z thought it was a good idea to do a long show, we did a three-hour show, and it was the most poorly received episode Listen, I've you, ever done. You can't in my go life. by me. You can't go by me. But I'm going to be honest. I did, I didn't even listen to that whole show. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So there were some rebuttals, folks. There were some rebuttals. Uh, yeah, that we're going to plow through. What was your lightning round book, Gen Z? Uh, armor or armor and um, arrow and Armstrong issue one. 
Oh yeah, so I had Arrow my list that I had before the show. I had I wrote down a list of books that I assumed Jonesy was gonna do. Okay, because I can read them like the back of my G damn hand. Right. Uh, sadly, I did not have Archer and Armstrong. Yeah, I, got you. Because you, for everyone to know, I told Jonesy about this list. So before we recorded, he spent about twenty minutes to find a book to read that was not on this list. I did. But I did not tell <laughs> right. him. So on this list, I wrote Thor. Did you read that th- today? This no, week? I did not. I did not Came read out. it. Where is Jake Ellis? I didn't read the second issue. All new X-Men. I did read three. it. I did read it. So what was your pick before we did the show that you were going to read? My pick before Luther the show Scrub. was He-Man Luther and Scrub. Masters of the Universe. Uh, God <laughs> damn it. I should have put it that on the list. <laughs> I know. That's 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 three drinks. Especially for being a miniseries. That's a miniseries, right? Yes. I don't know how. That, that issue is, uh, there's like... It feels like it's published every week. Jonesy brings that book up. That's the new <laughs> yeah, Invincible. It does. Every issue will have been brought up of the six-issue miniseries. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what was the other rebuttal? Uh, Dale had one, I believe, for yours, for your lightning round. What was your book? Uncanny Avenger. Uncanny X-Force. I, I called it. I oh, compared it to Claremont. It, it wasn't a uh, wasn't a rebuttal of sorts. It was just, um, did you see his tweet about... Uh, things are going to pick up in Uncanny Avengers number five. Oh, I think yeah. like it's going to be oh, looped yeah. back in. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, if you might as well just call my jeans Jessica Jones because I just poked <laughs> through them. I just poked through their hole. You know who's doing the art on issue five is Olivier Coppa. He's guest arting on that issue. It's, he's getting a hard art. He's getting a hard mm-hmm. art. I can't wait. That oh, guy. Man. I don't know what that guy does during the day if he's not doing a monthly book. I don't. I don't even care. Get him on something. Yeah, you really, they really need to. He's just saving them for these Avengers versus X-Men. <sighs> he did, did he do Thor there for a while? Yeah, I nobody think. reads that. What a waste of time. Well, nobody read that, that Thor, right. It's not the famous Jan Jurgens run. <laughs> Jan Jurgens run on Thor. Oh, finish your drink. <laughs> Guys, I'm not going to lie. Just I am super finish your excited <laughs> for this episode to post so people can find out about my scalp love. What was Dale? What was your lightning round? Oh, Avengers Arena. Avengers Arena. Okay. How about that book? Did you... Uh, I like the first the issue. Only, I haven't read the second one yet. The only thing they could have done to... They won. The marketing behind it, the last page was just per- perfect. Like, otherwise, it wouldn't have been as interesting as it was, but it, they just made it far more compelling, that last, that last page. Um, are they killing off a character every issue? Uh, that I do not know. No, I mean of that, the two, I know one died in the f- allegedly died in the first issue. Does someone die in the second issue? Oh no, I, I was I did Avengers Arena number one. Oh, okay, all right, right. yeah, misunderstood. Uh, so uh, it's it's is the season, right? It's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Do you guys get I mean, shopping done? Yeah, it's in. Uh, I built a fort out of all the Amazon boxes in my garage. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, I, I did all my. I shopping. eventually have to open them. I uh, I get a big. Big so my wife's not going to listen, so I'll just tell you the big surprise gift I got. Well, technically, it's going to be from her son, but uh, we have wanted a, for a long time to get a TV to put in the bedroom. You know, she uh, she likes to watch the TV while she's nursing and kind of getting her s together in the morning. So Amazon Lightning deals on uh, Black Friday. I got a 32-inch Samsung HD TV for ninety nine dollars. 
this guy. $99. So I can, I have a Blu-ray player I can hook it up to, and she can watch her movies and get on the Netflix and do all you know that good I, stuff. You know what I heard is that TVs in the bedroom kill sex life. Ha, joke's on them. I'm already married with a kid, Slim. Do you think that that means you will no longer have any Jessica Jones, Luke Cage evenings? I, I don't think I've had a Jessica Jones evening in, in quite some time. <laughs> you know what? A lot of people ask me, Slim. <laughs> yeah, Dale? What happens after they put a TV in their bedroom? <laughs> Watching the news in the morning. Oh, <laughs> Lord. What a show. I'm gonna. Hang, I'm ready to hang it up. I'm ready for bed. Tell me you too. What. It's twelve. It's twelve fifty one a.m. for the people Christ. out there who don't think we're dedicated. I gotta get dedication. I get ready for the train in four hours. No, five. <laughs> oh five Good Lord. Five and a half. Do you hours. wake up at five a.m.? No, I five? did the math uh, supremely wrong there. I get up around. Oh, you did. Uh, you did Jonesy math. I did Jonesy math. So to add times by three, and then you get the correct answer for less than an hour a day. <laughs> No, I I usually get up around. I set my alarm for six fifteen, and then I like to hit the snooze. Get up around six forty five, you know. Wash myself mm-hmm. in a shower form, mm. you know. Get my lunch ready, and then I stroll over to the train. Maybe read a little book on the uh, platform, my iPad Mini. And then take I, a picture of the platform. Take a picture of my deal. shoes. Take a picture of my feet. Take a picture of a building. Take a picture of something centered. And then I have to upload it to Instagram. Instagram, they deleted it. <laughs> okay, here we go.